0: I you take up your Bible turn over to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. We're in a study called Kingdom Focus. And pretty much for the rest of this year, we're going to be talking about the difference between the kingdom here on earth and the kingdom that we have in heaven. And uh, we're going to talk about how a Christian should view loyalty to their country and politics today. And I hope that I've wrestled with this and I can share some, with some clarity. Some of this is left up to all of us to decide our convictions and our teaching on. But I encourage you to take out your notes as we read from Romans chapter 13. Or I'm sorry, I sent you to the wrong place. Matthew chapter 22. We're going to get to Romans 13, sorry. Got ahead of myself. Matthew chapter 22, as we talk about Jesus with the Pharisees and the Herodians. A very famous passage of Scripture I think most of you know. Matthew chapter 22, it says, Then the Pharisees went, in verse 15, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him, in his words and they sent their disciples to jesus along with herodians saying teacher we know that you are true and teach the way of god truthfully and you don't care about anyone's opinions for you're not swayed by appearances tell us then, what do you think is it lawful to pay taxes to caesar or not but jesus aware of their malice said why put me to the test you hypocrites show me the coin for the tax and they brought him a denarii And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And then he said to them, therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And when they heard it, they marveled and they left him and they went away and they got at his blessing at the reading of his word this morning. Well, the purpose of this message is to think about from God's perspective, how you and I should view politics in our current state And even going forward how to view the political parties that are around us and how to view our government leaders who have authority in our local and our state and our national government from god's perspective this message by far cannot speak to every issue before us which is political or moral i can't speak even to the issues the platforms of the two predominant parties that we have in our country right now there's just not enough time but we're going to dialogue on this issue uh, about politics, and if you have any feedback, I am welcome that, you can email me, talk to me in person. We're gonna talk about uh, principles that the Bible touches on that also touch on in our political arena. And that's what I hope that we can become students of these issues, if you're interested, you and come up with biblical answers and convictions based on God's word. We need to determine for ourselves where we stand on issues and what action, if any, that we wanna take in our current political climate. So we face two questions, two problems as Christians in our current position in this political time that we're in. One is that we are polarized. We're divided among one another. There isn't a place to discuss issues or to find a common ground, it seems, as you go out and have discussions with people like I do in our culture. The second problem is that some Christians who are Republican or Democrats have made idols out of following their party. They're not studying for themselves both sides of the issues. They're not seeking the truth. They're not using logic to critically think through the issues before them. They use their feelings as a barometer of truth rather than objective truth. And some don't argue the merits of each side, but attack the person who is giving their message that they disagree with. They will die on the hill for their particular party or uh, issues that they believe in rather than compromise or concede their position. So as we think about that passage, look back in Matthew chapter 22, verses 17 through 21. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Quickly here, we know that the purpose of this conversation with Jesus and the Pharisees and the Herodians was to trap him, was to cause him to uh, side one way or the other so that they could uh, challenge him and uh, discredit him in front of the new followers that he was amassing around them. If, however, if Jesus said that um, he sided with the Romans against the Jews, they didn't think it was right to have this authority over them, the Roman Empire, then he'd be in trouble with the Pharisees. The Herodians were favorable to the Roman Empire being in rule and reign, and if he sided with God over Caesar, then the Herodians would call him out. His answer showed that the government has a rightful place in everyone's life and that one can be subject to the government and God at the very same time. One of the Roman uh, denarius uh, that you had during that time had this inscription on it. Some of them would say, Tiberius, Caesar Augustus, son of the divine Augustus. And as many of you know, back in the day, the emperor of Rome was considered a god to be worshipped at that time. And so with that inscription, taxes were to be paid to Caesar, Jesus said. And Jesus reminded them that God's sphere of authority belongs to God and that people must be subject to his authority and to God's realm as well. His realm and authority is all encompassing of the entire universe. Well, the result of that conversation was that the Herodians and the Pharisees were silenced and the people were amazed at Jesus' words and his authority. This is the backdrop for the first point on your outline. As we see as Christians, we are to have a balance. in the blank there is balanced view of our loyalty to two authorities. As Christians, we're to have a balanced view of our loyalty to two authorities. First of all, the authority of God. We'll talk about that, then we'll talk about the authority of the government. The authority of God, we're citizens of two countries. But our ultimate allegiance is to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, and to him alone. Remember who we are citizens of. It says in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.11, beloved, I urge you as sojourners, as exiles, as pilgrims, to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Why, as Bible-believing Christians, do some of us get upset about politics? We see things done by men and women in leadership that go against God's word and God's desires. We have an innate desire through the Holy Spirit to right the wrongs, to stand up for the poor, the widows, the orphans, and those who cannot defend themselves. We want justice as defined by God. It's because you and I, we're not home yet. And next month in June, we're going to study the whole month about heaven, our eternal place where we're gonna live forever and I hope it gets us more heavenly minded as we think of that. I think of what John Piper said about heaven, holiness is the native air a Christian wants to breathe. I hope you are homesick for heaven, a place where there'll be no dying, no aging, people won't walk around with wheelchairs or walkers or anything to uh, hinder them from having full use of their bodies it's because we're not home yet we live in a world with sin but one day we're going to live in a world without sin and you realize that the gates will be open all the time in heaven because there won't be any crime there in 2nd Corinthians 5.8 Paul said this yes we are of good courage and we would rather be far be away from the body and at home with the Lord we are of good courage and we'd rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord That old chorus that many of you sang in yesterday to remind us, this world is not our home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We're to live our lives here on earth with the anticipation and the loyalty of heaven. But then we look at the authority of government. How do we balance that? We are citizens here. We're in the United States. Most of us are citizens here. Others are here by other means, and they support the government of the united states and because we're in this area we'll focus in on that but other countries as well they look at scripture and they apply it to their place of residence it says in romans chapter 13 now if you can turn over there romans chapter 13 read another very familiar passage of scripture verses one through seven For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Verse 5, Therefore one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of the conscience. For because of this you also pay taxes for the authorities are ministers of God standing to this for this very thing. You pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, and respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. God established three institutions that he gives leadership and authority to mankind to fulfill. <coughs> Excuse me. First one is the family in Genesis chapter two. Adam is to be the head of his household. Then we read in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, and after that, the government, governments and civilizations are established and ongoing even today. Then the third authority is the church, the institution that he has set up where Jesus is the head. and He has under shepherds and elders to show spiritual leadership and that started on the day of Pentecost. And so be mindful that God's the one who raises people up into places of leadership. In Daniel 2.21, it says that God changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. In general, God sets up the government to protect its citizens from evil and to support the good things that the citizens do. So we have three responsibilities, according to Scripture, toward our government. First of all, to pay taxes, which May 17th came. I hope you paid your taxes or at least extended the opportunity to do that and we pay taxes every time we go to the store or anywhere we go second of all to honor our leaders honor our leaders and thirdly the Bible says most importantly we're to pray for our leaders to pray for them that's it And in America we have an added bonus to that we have the privilege to vote for those who are our leaders that represent us in government And we have that privilege unlike many other countries around the world. God places here for a specific purpose, a specific place and time until the purpose God has for our lives is completed. In Acts 13.35, Luke wrote, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. So, our application to this, the authority of God, the authority of our government. Our allegiance, the word there is allegiance, is to God first, and then is appointed authorities in that order. The main thing I want to look at is stated in the second point here, and I hope that you all uh, really zero in and focus as we talk about Christian nationalism versus uh, Christian patriotism. And... This may be a subject that you don't know much about, maybe you're not interested, but it's a it's an issue that we need to address and speak to because uh, as we saw in the Jericho march in December 2020, in January 6th, we saw the, the people, the riders that broke into the Capitol, they considered themselves Christian nationalists. And so the next point is as Christians, we have an understanding of Christian nationalism versus Christian patriotism. We need to understand the difference. We need to balance our view on these things. So first of all, I'm gonna attempt to share what is Christian nationalism. And I'm open for any debate um, on this. I've done a lot of reading, but I'm just gonna put out there what, from my perspective, what this is all about. What is a Christian nationalist and how is it different from Christianity? How is it different from a Christian being patriotic. How should Christians think about nations, especially about the United States of America? If nationalism is bad, does that mean we should reject nationality and national loyalty altogether? No, I say. Christian nationalism is defined this way, as the belief that the American nation is defined by Christianity and that the government should take active steps to keep it that way. Now, hear me out on this. I'll talk about toward the end of, you know, how we did start with the foundation of Judeo-Christian ethics. But they want to intertwine, they want to weave their religion in with their politics. Popularly, Christian nationalists assert that America is and must remain a Christian nation, not merely as an observation about American history, but as a cause to be perpetuated going forward into the future. Scholars like Samuel Huntington, made a similar argument that America is defined by the, quote, Anglo-Protestant past, and that we will lose our identity and our freedom if we do not preserve our culture inheritance. He believes that we inherited uh, this Christian American from God. Christian nationalists do not reject the First Amendment, and they don't want a theocracy. A theocracy is where uh, they put a religious leader as the president, as the head of the country. They're not advocating that. But they do believe that Christianity should enjoy a privileged position in the public square. The term Christian nationalism is relatively new, and its advocates generally do not want to think of themselves that way. But it accurately describes American nationalists who believe America, the identity of it, is intertwined with Christianity. So what is patriotism from a Christian perspective? What is Christian patriotism? Well, patriotism is showing love and loyalty to your country. Living in the United States, it's respecting the founding papers, which are the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights. It's a commitment to respect the institutions that are established by those original documents and the laws of the land. If You look on the back of a dollar bill, it says, "E pluvoris unum, out of many, one. We are all Americans who are citizens of this country and those who live here may be who aspire to become citizens of America. Showing patriotism for our country is different from nationalism, which is an argument about how to define our country. Christians should recognize that patriotism is good because all of God's creation is good, and patriotism helps us appreciate our particular place in it. Our affection, our loyalty is seen in how we support the institutions, and the flag, and the elements that represent our democracy. So as Christians, we can and should love the United States, which also means working to improve our country, to hold it up for critique, to deal with the errors in justice, and to have a say in the laws that are written in the land. But what's the problem with Christian nationalism? Our country is made up of people from many different cultures and religions and we're growing more and more diverse. And so since cultural units are fuzzy, they make a poor fit as the foundation for a political order. It's hard to put people in a box. It's hard to stereotype groups of people. Cultural identities are fluid and hard to draw boundaries around, but political boundaries, they try to say specifically, this is our boundaries and who we are, and this is our definition. So when nationalists go about constructing their nation, They have to define who is and who is not part of that nation. But there's always going to be dissidents and minorities who do not or cannot conform to the nationalist preferred cultural template. If they cannot win the country over, the nationalists say, by taking control of the government, they will have to establish that we are a Christian nation by force. And of course, that's a place we would separate very quickly What do Christian Nationalists want that's different from the normal Christian engagement in politics? Christian Nationalists want to define America as a Christian nation. They want the government to promote a specific cultural template as the official culture of the country. And the Christian Nationalists want to take back America and bring it back to, quote, what they considered called a Christian nation, which is very hard to, to define as to what constitutes a Christian nation exactly how were we back in the previous times we don't completely understand how the founding fathers put it all together where it gets sticky is that those who are deeply involved in this movement want to make those who are not christians to be relegated to second-class citizenry and of course we would be against that so using force limiting the expression of freedom of others who are not do not support the judeo-christian ethic is an issue that the church has to wrestle with, and I'm not willing to go there and consider being called a Christian nationalist. It has too many negative connotations, and it detracts from Christianity because the emphasis is strongly on the here and now, and it will hurt people outside the faith. It is true that from my perspective, that our nation was started by Christians and deists based on a Judeo-Christian ethic. They came around to a common belief system. These folks also welcome religious liberty to all who come and live in this country from its founding. And when the time came to address slavery, unfortunately, Christians separated on this issue, and that led to the Civil War. But here's the bottom line of this point, is that we're to stand for God's principles and encourage our legislature, our executive, our judicial branch, to follow God's principles. But in the end, we accept what the government the people voted in. And we work with those on being patriotic to our country. But ultimately, our loyalty is to God and his kingdom as followers of Christ. So the issue for the Christian is not to legislate morality. Yes, we need to speak up against abortion. We need to speak up when issues in our society that the gonna, legislative branch is going to vote on. Uh, touches the Bible, we need to let our voices be heard, but we're never going to legislate a Christian morality through Washington, D.C. and through our state houses. The most important thing that we can do is see one life and one heart changed one at a time through the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's principles, sharing those, and getting involved as a Christian to the level that we are led by the Spirit of God involved in politics is a good thing and so each of us have to decide if it's just enough to vote or maybe i'm going to canvas for this particular uh candidate because of their beliefs that seem to match up well with the bible or run for office ourselves all of us have to wrestle and let the holy spirit give us conviction in that matter but we work together with people where there are common goals as supported in god's word so I hope I'm just beginning the discussion of Christian nationalism versus Christian patriotism. I encourage you to study and dialogue with me to fine-tune your your viewpoints, what you believe about Christianity and politics. And if you want some resources, I have a lot of resources that I've been collecting and reading. If you'd like to read them and discuss more about this subject, right? The application is this: we could all agree on this point. We're called to be good citizens of the country that God has placed us in. Some of you have been citizens of Australia, some of you have been citizens of of India and other places around the world. Some of you have come here, some have become citizens or or are aspiring to be at some point. But regardless where we are as Christians, we are to be good citizens of the country that God has placed us in. So how do we view our government and the politics surrounding it? How do we stay loyal to God's kingdom, but support the government structures in the world that we currently live in? Our last point today is this, as Christians, we're to have a biblical perspective on politics. We're to have a biblical perspective on politics. We're to be respectful of the flag and of those who serve in the offices of government, even if we don't agree with those in those positions, we respect the office. We pray for them, we honor them, even though we may disagree uh, greatly with their positions and issues and politics. But when it comes to time to show our patriotism, Christians should participate in the national anthem at a ball game, for example, or enjoy the 4th of July festivities as we celebrate Independence Day. Celebrate Flag Day, Veterans Day, Memorial Day, Labor Day. Respect the flag, the national anthem, the leaders of the country. You're a citizen of that country, even if you're not a citizen. Second of all, we are to respect the person in their position of authority. The first one, if you missed it, is we are called. We're called to support the current government of the country. We're currently earthly citizens of. Second of all, we're to respect the person in their position of authority. 1 Peter chapter two, Peter writes, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evil doers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject to the Lord's, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be for the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. So we respect our law enforcement because they're to be the protectors against evil in our cities, in our states, in our country. We salute our men and women in the armed forces who are willing to, in this current climate, voluntarily go and defend our freedom and at times the freedom of other countries as well. We thank all who support these folks, the law enforcement, the military, who do the support work behind the scenes. We appreciate our local, state, and federal government leaders for being willing to go through the process of being elected to represent the people that they serve. Thirdly, we're to pray for those in authority. Remember that. These are things we already know, but it's good—it's a good reminder to pray. It says in 1 Timothy 2, first of all, then I urge in supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way, and this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, and that God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of his truth. So the government leaders, we must pray for wisdom, must pray that they would represent their people well, Pray that they would use the principles of God's word to make their decisions. And then, fourthly, we are to encourage our government leaders. We're to encourage our government leaders. I invite you to get the addresses of our local elected officials and write notes of encouragement to them. Gary Barfels, our office administrator, has put at the bottom of the prayer sheet a list of those uh, that where our church location is are representatives that are in Des Moines uh, representing us there at the state level. And also there's also uh, people that you need to encourage if you don't live in Scott County but also Rock Island County or Clinton County wherever you live. Just a few weeks ago, I was in Des Moines and had the privilege to pray with uh, many of the people on the bottom of that sheet that Carrie has. And uh, Phyllis Thede, wonderful Christian lady, African-American, she taught in the Davenport School System, was on the board and uh, she said that she really wants to come and visit our church now that session is over. So we look forward to her coming and be with us one of these days. Fifthly, we're to hold our government leaders accountable to biblical truth We're to vote when the opportunity arises we're to engage our government when they make laws that are contrary to scripture the church is to be the conscience of the culture and producing godly leaders not only for ministry but to serve in different levels of politics whether it's the school board whether it's city council whether that's the mayor wherever it may be we need to Uh, Look for those opportunities and the church has been slow and some Christians unwilling to stand up and speak out against issues That we face that touch scripture Thank God. We're seeing a lot of progress being made in our country with the laws to take care of abortion and move away from uh, The legalization of it and to try to take steps to prevent it as much as possible We need to stand up for equal rights for all we need to stand for God's beautiful design for marriage as shared in the Bible, and speak against all the decisions and ramifications of accepting marriage redefined different from God's view of marriage in our culture. We can list all the outflow of ramifications and consequences due to the uh, federal law that allows same-sex marriage to occur. Number six, we're to serve God as our ultimate authority in the county, city, state, and nation that we currently live in. I hope that you memorized Jeremiah 29 7 the Israelites were in exile and they were trying to figure out how they were to worship God in a foreign land without a temple and one of the things God said to them was Jeremiah 29 verse 7 but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare For as you pour out and become a good citizen, as much as you can, not accepting the pagan, idolatrous religion, as much as you do that, you will bring welfare upon your people at the same time. Jeremiah 29.7, powerful verse. Number seven, we're to avoid making politics and government into an idol. I think that's a battle. I, myself, I love to debate some of these things, these issues. At times, I've gotten overloaded with some of the stuff in the cable news channels and the media and things on the internet. We have to guard ourselves and realize that find the balance. We want to know about these issues, we want to be involved, but we can't obsess about these things. I think that's where Christians cross the line and move into QAnon and Christian nationalism. When we become obsessed with politics and stay so focused on what's going on with the political-charged media sources, And we respond inappropriately we need to reassess our views of politics from god's perspective and the place that it holds in our lives remember at the end of first john the last verse that john wrote first john 521 he says little children keep yourselves from idols keep yourselves from idols idols are anything that we spend more time or more money on or take the place of our relationship with god and politics can become an idol in our life if we're not careful. Our application is this, we're called to live out the principles of being salt and light in the country we currently live in. Salt has many characteristics, we've talked about it before. It makes people thirsty, it preserves meat, it melts ice, and as Christians we're to make people curious, thirsty about the gospel. We're to push back on the evil in this culture and preserve godliness. Those are the characteristics of salt light. Where there's darkness, we want to be the light that shines, that shines on the things that are wrong, and to deal with those injustices and sins and evil in our society. So our application is this. Remember, we're to live out those principles of being salt and light in the country we currently live in. Lastly, we are to be great citizens of heaven and earth, keeping both worlds in their proper perspective. And as we go through this series of Kingdom Focus, as we study about heaven, as we look at First and Second Peter, verse by verse, after that, we're going to learn how to live with our minds set on the things above, not on things on earth, but to be engaged in the people and the culture around us, to be the salt and light that God wants us to be. Some questions to ponder this week and we close. How supportive are you of the current leadership and the various levels of government that touch your life? That's a challenge. Maybe your candidate didn't win the last election. Maybe you don't like some of the things about the person who did get elected into office, but we need to pray for them. We need to honor them. We need to respect their authority. Second of all, how can you pray and encourage those who are in authority over us? And how can you biblically enact change into laws or potential laws that violate scripture? Those are the ongoing things that we have to pray about, discern what God, how God wants us to be involved at what level, but to advance his kingdom and push back the darkness and be the light, the citizens of this country. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to deal with some of these very difficult issues that are in our society. Some of them are hard to define some of them are hard to describe completely but lord help us help us to be balanced in the way that we view those that you've allowed to be our leaders in this country as we said before many things that we are responsible to do help us to be good godly citizens that reflect the light of christ help us to pray help us to encourage help us to come alongside these folks Help us to minister to them from your word as well as they represent us and try to follow your wisdom and your direction in their life. Guide direct us, we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.